Oh, you froze. Oh, Mike, you froze right when you looked at the camera. Oh, there. can you hear me now? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you froze. Like, as soon as we went live, I think you froze. Ah, uh, gotcha. How's your that internet? Looks good, though. It's not bad. Should be okay, hopefully. All right. You have, you have kids in the house, like, streaming or anything like that? Uh, I don't think so. No, okay. she's seven months old, so I'd be impressed if she was doing that. She's not streaming already? I no. uh I did a show with uh, Greg Glassman a, a month ago, and his internet connection was really spotty. And I'm like, "What's going on?" He's like, "Hold on." And then he goes upstairs, and he's like, "Hey, there's like 14 teenagers here, all on their phones." Just, I'm like, "What you oh, do?" No. Told him to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, kick him out. Yeah. Oh, that's good. You popped on my radar because of this uh, this interaction you had with my boy Colton Mertens. I'm like a huge, crazy uh, Colton Mertens fan. Oh yeah, he's a good dude. God, he's cool. Yeah. And, and and just a good role model for human beings in general. And then uh, mm -hmm. I saw you and your gigantic uh, arms uh, coaching him through this uh, seated snatch. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I was I was pretty pumped when I heard that uh, he was up for trying a seated movement. So how how did, how does that go down, Mike? You guys are at Wada, that's Wadapalooza this year, right? Yeah, yeah. So that was a Wadapalooza. Uh, so Rolo, uh, the guy who runs the Meme for Time page, just uh -huh. hit me up. He's like, "Hey, you want to snatch with Colton?" And uh, and I was like, "Yeah, absolutely." And uh, he's like, "He's going to try to see the snatch." I was like, "Okay." Um, so yeah, we just all met up over at Paper Street and walked it over to the warm up area and gave it a go. So he was, yeah, he was excited to try it. I think he was a little nervous. Uh, people are getting his head thinking, telling him he was only going to hit like a hundred pounds. Uh, he ended up doing really well. So, um, how cool is it that on all three of your parts to do that? You know what I mean? What's the, what's the guy's name? The meme for time guy's name? It's the guy with the wild hair, right? Yeah. Rolo. Yeah. R Rolo. Ro Roderick is his name. But Roderick. That's how I, that's okay. Roderick. Okay. And what do yeah. what do people call him? Rolo? Rolo. Yeah. Yeah, that. How cool is it that he he did he know you before that? Yeah, so I met him at a wheel log competition out in North Carolina. Um, but I've I've talked to him quite a bit in the past. He helped train uh, another adaptive athlete, Brett Palzer. Um, so I've I've talked to him quite a bit beforehand. But really great dude. Um, and is he in pretty, the adaptive scene? I didn't know that. Does he specializes in um, training adaptive athletes or? I didn't I think I think Brett is one of his first I could be wrong um but he he really dove kind of headfirst into the, the adaptive scene when he uh, went to Wheel Wild this first time uh this this past year um and has been really passionate about helping the adaptive community just kind of highlight what we're doing and everything so hey uh, um could could we try with or, or could we try without those headphones? I'm I'm wondering if the sure. we could get better audio just with your phone. Not it, not that it's like horrible, but let me see what happens, what happens now. now. If we switch, switch to, to just your, your phone. phone. Oh no, oh, I, no got I got crazy, crazy echo. echo. Do you guys, Do you guys hear that? You might have to switch a setting on your uh, phone. There we go. Oh yeah, we're getting there. And then uh, I think you're muted too. There we go. How's that? Oh, way better. All right, cool. Okay, good. I'm glad I asked. Okay, we, it was just yeah. getting a little tin canny, and the S's were getting kind of ah, crazy. Gotcha. Okay, so 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 you know him because he coached one of your 
your peers, one of your competitors, you met him at a competition and then he just rolled up to you a lot and he's like, Hey, and then he got Colton and then he filmed it. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of just how it happened. So, um, yeah, he was like, let's, let's try this. Let's, uh, highlight this a little bit and, and see what happens. So it was interesting to see him, uh, try out a seated movement for the first time. It's, um, not as easy as you might think for sure. It looks hard as shit to me. Hey, yeah. um, I, I, I hate to uh, dote on the community, but man, there's no better place to dote on it than right here. You're, you're never going to get two athletes from two different divisions in other sports, or it's going to be rare who are just going to actually do their profession and come together. Like what a trippy scene we're in that he can get like one of the best in the world uh in their in their specific divisions and then just while there's some downtime get them to actually play i mean it's it's just kind of just it's it's really uh unique to this sport like you're not seeing that you're not going to see shit like that in the super bowl unless they're trying to make some sort of virtue signaling statement like when they traipse those kids out there did you watch the super bowl yeah the the Hawaiian uh, kids, they brought them out there. Yeah. yeah. They could have bought one of those kids a house for all the money they spent doing that. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Those did look like good kids, though, didn't they? I know. That was a that was cool. I was yeah. I was happy to see them bring them out there. That was a that was a cool one of the cooler parts of the Super Bowl for sure. But this is legit what you guys are doing. Like, like, right. like you and Colton are like man, it's it's really cool. Yeah. Just to have them kind of, you know be open to trying that and highlight that is was was really cool of them um not a lot of people take the time out of the day and do that you know try especially new movement when you're a competitor and you try a new movement when he's competing mike when he's competing even right i mean he was in the middle of a competition yeah exactly um so yeah so really like down to earth dude i was really excited to meet him and have the opportunity to do that um, how long have you been competing? Uh, a little over two years now, so not not too long. And uh, how many competitions have you done? Um, so I've done Wheelwad twice, Waterpalooza twice, and CrossFit Games twice. Okay, so you've gone. The, you those are the three biggest events in the space. Yeah. And yeah. And, and and have you always been an athlete? No. Um, so I've always been pretty like physically active. Uh, I've been a trainer for several years, uh, but I wasn't in the CrossFit space until a little over two years ago. And, and when you were say you were a trainer, what's that look like? Uh, just a personal trainer. Um, so I would just work one-on-one with people. Um, but not, it wasn't, uh, tailored to CrossFit. It was just weightlifting, powerlifting, overall fitness, um, and it was kind of interesting how I got into like the CrossFit space um, was very not planned. Um, did you meet your wife training her? No, oh, no, okay. I met my wife. Um, wow. And it's been probably over almost 10 years now. Uh, I wrote an article a long time ago uh, that got published and she ended up seeing it. And uh, we kind of communicated through that. So it was, it's kind of crazy. Um, your wife, no, so, your wife met you through uh, through writing. Yeah, she read through through literature. Great. Oh, yeah. Can I hear that? Story? Oh, hold on, Heidi. Uh, hi, is is he in a wheelchair? Hold on, Heidi. Don't ruin the don't ruin the punchline. <laughs> no, hold on, hold on. Uh, can you tell me that story? I'm very curious. 
Yeah, so I actually, um, like early into my recovery, um, you know, after I was injured, um, my sister suggested to me, she's like, you should start writing. It'll help be like therapeutic and stuff. So I kind of started just writing different stuff on like a very, like my own little blog. And um, I wrote an article about the day I got injured and it got uh, picked up by someone over at the Washington Post and um, they published it and they published it online and they attached like all of my uh, social media and stuff to it, um, which I didn't know about. Um, and it it got around quite a bit and she reached out uh, via that article and um, we started talking from that, which was crazy. How old are you now? Uh, 35. So you were 25. Yeah. I'm not a fan of the Washington Post, but but no, now, but, but no, but now, but I'm really ha now. I'm, it's the first nice thing I've ever heard. Uh, they uh, they now, what did the article say? They started like a military section of a blog like recently for the Washington Post there, so they posted some cool stuff. What was um, she doing reading that section? Um, you know, I don't know. I think it just got shared around on like social media and stuff uh, eventually, and um, made the rounds and somebody shared it to her uh so it was pretty interesting can, can you tell me what in a nutshell what the uh, what the what what the article was about and um and, and what what captured her attention um so i think the article i mean mainly it was just like it talked about the day i was deployed and got injured so it was kind of like a brief overhaul of like hey this was um this is what we were doing over there. This is, you know, uh, on the day and, you know, going through. He froze. I think the last thing he said was oh, go back. So it was an article about the day uh, you were injured and it was yeah. going through and then you cut out. Take off from there. Um, it was going through basically, you know kind of my mental thought process uh, or the lack thereof at the time of what was really happening. Um, so it was, yeah, it was pretty vulnerable article that I, at first I was like, ah, I wish I didn't post that. And then I was like, I don't know if I was ready to, to talk about that, but I ended up meeting my wife from it. So uh, it worked out. What didn't you, was there actually something in there in hindsight that you think may, may was vulnerable or do you think that it was uh more where you were at in your head at the time what what do you think now at looking the back time, at it? yeah i think it was just it, are you proud of it I now? mentally when i wrote it yeah was probably not the most like clear-minded i've ever been so yeah. i was like i was kind of apprehensive about like i would have wrote it differently had i at the time i was very still on heavy medication for my injuries um, so I was like, yeah, I don't know if I should have wrote that just yet, but I mean, uh, it was vulnerable. It was real. Uh, it's how I felt at the time. So, um, it's out there and I met my wife from it. So uh, were her parents in the military? No. Um, she, yeah, her parents weren't in the military. No. And did she, did she live near a military base? Did she have any interest in them in like military stuff? Was she in the military? No, she wasn't in the military. So, um, she was actually with someone prior in the military who passed away. Um, oh, so wow. Yeah. From a, from a deployment. 
uh, from a training accident. Holy shit. Wow. Yeah. So that's why it got shared to her. And um, yeah, we kind of bonded through loss and uh, dealing with stuff. So um, yeah, that's how we kind of connected on that level. Wow. What an amazing story. Um, so when she reached out to you, it wasn't so much in courtship. That was just a byproduct of it. It was just more like, Hey, uh, I got some wounds and you got some wounds. You want to, um, can we talk? Yeah. Yeah. And that's how it just started. We talked for a long time and, um, and then we realized there was something there. So we just kind of connected on that level of just going through hard times. Dude, what a great story. This story, I feel like the story is like from 1812. Not, you know what I mean? It feels yeah. like, it's like a, a real timeless uh, human story. Doesn't yeah. it? Like, wow, what a great story. And um, where did you live at the time? So I lived here. So, well, San Antonio uh, is where I did my physical rehab um, after I got injured and got out of the military. And, and, um, and did she, li where did she live? Uh, Seattle. Wow. Yeah. And, and so, and are you in San Antonio now? Yeah. We, we both live here in San Antonio with our daughter. Yeah. Oh man. Congrats on the daughter, dude. Thank you. Oh my yeah. God. You have a perfect baby. I, I have I, to agree. Yeah. She's pretty awesome. Yeah. I was looking through the pictures. I, I'm not trying to be a, a dick, but some people don't get perfect babies. <laughs> you got like a really, I was looking at those early videos and stills and, and pictures you have and just the way her mm -hmm. eyelids move and those veins and her, dude you got a perfect yeah you guys are Thank so you. yeah wow that was uh i forgot that's how uh babies look because you have some videos in there of when they're she's really young and mm -hmm. she's at home and she looks like you know how like they look like they're moving and they're underwater yeah you know what i mean Absolutely, they, yeah. they look like seeing enemies or the way and i'm like <laughs> oh my god he got a perfect one. Oh yeah it's nerve-wracking when they're that small man i'm like just like oh she them. She looks yeah. so healthy. She looks yeah. so good. Thank you. Uh, 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 look, Jay Hartle, uh, Blackhawk crash. Usually what happens in train accidents was her uh, uh, friend in a Blackhawk crash, you know? No, it was, was, I believe it was a mortar accident. Oh, shit. Yeah. God. Yeah. Um. So, so, so you, Um. How, how old were you when you got into the military? I was... 20 19 20 somewhere around there yeah and, and you're born and raised in san antonio mike so i grew up in houston uh but i went to college here in san antonio before i joined the military and i love it here so that's why i ended up wanting to stay here whenever i go to the trulia app and i start looking at homes in san antonio it makes me want to move man you guys got affordable housing there crazy homes there that's it's definitely blowing up because of that uh so the city has grown quite a bit since i first been here and um yeah prices are pretty good here for sure yeah, yeah it, it's, it's it's unreal what you can get and, and and so you get out of high school and you go straight to the military and, and why did you do that well i did a couple of years of college before i joined the military um but i was like after i got into college i was like yeah i i've been wanting to do this i thought about it i was like if i'm gonna do it i need to join and Otherwise, if I get through my college career, I probably won't. Uh, so just decided that. Why did you want to do it? Um, I mean, I really just wanted to be a part of something bigger than myself um, and just kind of go out there and try something new. 
um, a lot of different reasons, but as a whole, like, I just wanted to, to be a part of something bigger. Did you like uh, hardship? Were you like up for the challenge too? For sure. Yeah. Not as much as a couple of my buddies growing up, they're all like, we're going to go on the SEALs program. And I was like, I'm definitely not ready for that. Um, so, uh, yeah, I joined the Marines, um, which obviously still very challenging in and of itself. Um, but yeah, I was very thankful. I chose what I did and, uh, met the people I did along the way. So, so you join, and how are your parents, how are your parents about when you joined? Uh, supportive, uh, nervous, nervous. Um, yeah, you know, uh, Marines are kind of known for going out there and doing the hard, hard job. So she's apprehensive at first, but, uh, supportive for sure. And, and, and what year was this that you, you entered the Marines? Uh, I joined in 2008. And interesting. So I, I'm holding a camera running around filming the first CrossFit games or second CrossFit games and you're, uh, Join the Marines. I remember Tony Budding said for me one said to me one time. I was talking to him on the phone. I was sitting at a cafe, sipping a cup of coffee, and um, good little Berkeley boy. And Tony Budding said to me, "Hey, remember, dude, while you sit there and drink your fucking ten dollar cappuccino, that there's dudes out there fighting for your freedoms." And I was like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> but but you know, as a fifty one year old man, those yeah. those words resonate with me now. Yeah. Um, so so you're there and. Uh, can, can you tell me about that? Can you tell me about just how you ended up being in Afghanistan? What led up to the accident? Can you give me the whole, the backstory so we can feel like we're there a little bit? Yeah. Um, so what, it, what it's like getting the news that you're going to be deployed, all that, the, were we in a war at that time? All that stuff. Yeah. So I knew it, at a certain point I was, you know, we were going to deploy to Afghanistan. There was, uh, several companies that were just rotating out. Uh, it was still very much the height of you know, everything going on over in Afghanistan. Um, so I went to 1st Battalion, 8th Marines back in 2010. Um, so we did a workup, we did some training, and uh, we left in 2000, 2012. Or no, so I, I went to 1st Battalion, 8th Marines in 2011. We did the workup, and I, I deployed in 2012, uh, January um i was a squad leader at the time so uh, mike would you would you were you getting out that's four years so i i signed up a, for a different contract i was on a five-year contract okay okay because um, i did three years uh in a different unit before i went over to the infantry where okay constantly it, going over to afghanistan and and what what did you say you, in 2012 you were a squad leader a squad leader yeah What's that? So mean? within a platoon, there's different team leaders that hold different responsibilities. So there's a team leaders in charge of uh, like five guys, a squad leaders in charge of the team leaders and the guys underneath them. So anywhere from like 15 guys. And there's a platoon leader who's in charge of the squad leaders who's in okay. charge of like okay. 30. So in the chain of command, guys. you you weren't at the bottom anymore. You had worked your no. way up a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I was at any point in time uh during combat operations in charge of 15 to 30 people um you know as we're out there in afghanistan um so did the workup we deployed um the first 
couple months of our employment, we're pretty chill. We just did some security type stuff and then uh, it really picked up. Later on the deployment, a couple months in, uh, we were assigned as a helo company. Uh, so essentially what we would do is we would plan raids uh, to where we would hop on a helo and they would drop us in the, the heat of it for a week or two and then come pick us up once we were done with what we needed to do. So uh, we did a lot of helo raids uh, that were very highly kinetic and uh, in a lot of firefights at the time. Um, Can you tell me what that means? Would there be like a four? I'm I'm just completely making this up. I have no clue. But there's a four way intersection, and they're like, "Hey, don't let anyone pass through here for the next week." Would it be shit like that? Or sometimes that was like our mission was just like, "Hey, we're gonna push them back." Um, Sometimes it was we would be told there was high value targets in the area, and we'd go and try and find these people. Sometimes it was. Hey, you know, there's an explosive. Uh, they're making explosives out of this location. We got to go find it. Um, so it was really, it was really kind of based off of whatever intel they were gathering and uh, what we needed to do in order to neutralize that. So, um, yeah, it was kind of just. But yeah, the majority of it was like, hey, we need to push them back. But our overall goal at the time. I would say would be to um, train Afghan National Army and police to take over once we pulled out. So we constantly had Afghan National Army and police uh, shadowing us essentially uh, as we would go and operate in these areas. And our main goal was to train them on how to properly, you know, push back the Taliban and stuff like that. God, this this sounds so wild. So you you and 15 to 30 guys would get dropped off somewhere. And then there'd be some local dudes there helping you translate and supposed to be learning stuff from you. Yeah. And then you would be on these missions that what sounds like always ended up being contentious. You were basically trying to do something that someone else didn't want you to be doing. Yeah, pretty much. Damn. And and, and that started after you were there for two months already. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the first like month or so, yeah, it was um, a lot of just security type stuff. Uh, but after that, we really got into the the heavy stuff where we'd fly in and already be getting shot at. So it was very much, um, you know, we were there to to do what we needed to do, and it was very uh, highly active uh, where they were dropping us off. So and and you'd be there for like a week at a time, seven days. Sometimes it would be just a few days. Sometimes it would be, uh, yeah. A couple where do you, weeks, where do you sleep when they, someone, when they drop you off, like I'm assuming you don't get, you, go, you don't go to a campground at night and camp. No. Yeah. Uh, you just try and find something with the sturdy four walls and, uh, you know, hope it's enough. So, so it's a legit war scene. Like you're like, okay guys, there's an abandoned building. Let's go over there. And that's where we're going to sleep tonight. And yeah. you make those decisions. Uh, for the most part, yeah. Uh, once initial initial landing on a mission is usually planned out, but from there, yeah. If if we push through a certain area, uh, it was my job to kind of like, okay, we're gonna hold down in this area. We'll push out from here. And um, you're it's all on foot, down. Mike. There's no you you don't have vehicles. Yeah. Since it's all on foot. yeah. There's there's no vehicles. No, I mean you could call in air support when you needed it or uh, artillery support, but for the most part, it was just boots on the ground 
yeah, just us out there. And you, so you're carrying your food and water too? Yeah. Um, there was a couple instances where we were out there for so long and we ran out. So we'd get airdrops of supplies and stuff like that. But, and that's just like in the movies, like a plane comes over and it just a fucking pallet yeah. with some shit comes out and like half of it's damaged when you get to it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so yeah, we, we go out there, they drop us supplies and, and be like, all right, I'll see you later in a few days when we come pick you up. So, wow. Crazy. Um, yeah. d- w- when you were out there, did you ever lose any, any soldiers? Uh, thankfully, no, not in my squad. Um, as a, as a unit, as a whole, we did. Um, but, but not in your squad. No. So I was injured and my interpreter was also injured. Um, but those were the only, um, things we sustained as my squad was, uh, both of us being injured on the same day. Uh, Bruce Wayne, uh, sleeping in a hut, the good old days. Uh, Manny C. Serrano, uh, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for your service, Mike. My pleasure. Thank you. Uh, okay. So, so, so you're out there for a month and then a, a month in these missions start up and, and that's where I interrupted you. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, that's basically the, the gist of the remainder of our deployment was just go out there and whatever mission we were handed at the time. And, um, you know, we'd go out there for a week or two and do our job. Um, so, and and how and how long were you doing that for? Uh, did that till did that for about five months, I believe, before I was injured, and then my unit was still out there for about another month or so uh, after I got sent back to the states. C- can you tell me about the 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 injury? What led up to it and the injury? So it was uh, probably our most. Um, most kinetic like most highly active uh op at the time um we were out there and it was just since we flew in it was just constantly um you know in firefights and stuff like that um was it a city scene was it a city a village scape or what was it like yeah i mean it was a pretty populated area most of the uh locals you know they know when the Taliban's in the area and they clear out, they go somewhere else. Um, so it's like the only people you're dealing with, you do not, you know, they're the bad guys. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it was just abandoned buildings everywhere that were, uh, laced with IEDs or traps or, you know, anything else, uh, before we came in there. So, um, what was yeah. the mission? What was the mission just to get those guys out of the village or to, to, to stop them or to eliminate them? What was the mission? Uh, at the time, I believe it was just to push them back because it was okay. like they were they were setting up shop. Uh, they had weapons caches and different stuff. They were shooting like old old weapon systems that were left behind by different armies at uh, a lot of our helicopters and stuff. Um so we were trying to push them back from basically like a staging area. Um, and we actually found one of my guys in my squad. We actually found uh, one of the largest caches in Afghanistan of um, just like weapons, explosives, uh, police uniforms, suicide vests, you name it. Like it was um, it was essentially like this giant well. And we're just walking by it and he looks down and he's like, oh, I kind of see something down there. And um, so we we go check it out and it's just 
it goes on. There's like hundreds of explosives. Uh, we call out EOD, so we're like, this is more than we can handle. We need you to check this stuff out. And, um, you know, they just kept pulling stuff out. And they're like, there's an actual tunnel system down there where they have cars that drive underground. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, so it that was one of the times where we had to get airdrop supplies because we were out there trying to figure out exactly how far this went. Um, and yeah, we we ended up not being able to fully like search the area because it was so massive. So we just blew it up. Yeah. Um, Sounds right. But, yeah. So it was it was a big win uh, for us because it was I mean weapon systems that can shoot down helicopters in there so we're we're pretty pumped to to find that and be able to take that out okay so you're so you're there it's a it's a it's a it's a big firefight lots of bad guys around lots of booby traps yeah yeah i mean even on into the well to protect like essentially where they were holding all this stuff they had uh ieds uh every other step um and we didn't know that initially. What does that mean? Land, like, is that landmines for us laymen? When you say they're just uh, every, they're so on the IDs ground? So like a improvised explosive device. Essentially what sets it off is uh, you have a pressure plate. So like two pieces of plywood yeah. with a switch uh, in a light amount of pressure, a few pounds, and activates that switch. And So for the essentially. layman, that's a landmine, right? Essentially, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they had... Uh, IEDs on like every other step on the way down to this cache where they were protecting their stuff. And um, we did not properly search the area before going down there, and, but no one was injured. So we were very lucky. Everyone took the opposite step on the way down. Um, and then EOD got out there and be like, y'all don't know how lucky you are. Um, you know, this could have been very bad. Wow. Um, so, yeah. There's a lot of instances where we're very lucky and fortunate, um, but we, uh, yeah, it was a big one for us for sure. It, it, but that is where you got injured. Was on an IED, yes. Um, so that was a different day. I believe it was the same, the same uh, helo raid we were doing. Um, so essentially, it was early morning. There was no one around. It was pretty quiet. Um, but I just kind of knew something was off. Um, so we were on a foot patrol walking around and I just stepped on IED. Um, so yeah, it was, it was from there. It was on that same raid. Um, but yeah, I was just doing a normal foot patrol and uh, stepped on IED. So um, do you even remember stepping on it? Yeah, I was, I was awake the whole time. Um, so did you know as soon as you stepped on it, were you like, was there a split second where you're like, fuck? I was definitely disoriented. Um, it was a highly explosive IED. I don't know how how big it was, but I went through the air for quite a bit of time and landed on my head. So I was very disoriented with, you know, dust all around you. You kind of don't know where you're at or what just happened and, until the, the pain kind of sets in. Um, and, your so ears was, are, and your ears are ringing like crazy? Yeah, yeah. So it was a very, um, yeah, hard to comprehend how exactly or how much your life just changed in an instant, you know? 
Um, so it was coming to terms with that. And then also just kind of realizing like, oh, I, this might be it, you know? Um, yeah. Did you just assume you were going to die? I would just start. I would just start. For sure. Like, yeah. Dear God, uh, I apologize for never believing in you. Uh, yeah. I'm flipping the script on that right here. Yeah. I mean, my my injuries were pretty intense. So um, there's a lot of worry, even like after they put me on the helo. Like, I don't know if this guy's going to make it. Um, How long did it take for the helicopter to come? Oh, man, it felt like eternity. Yeah. Um, but they were quick. Uh you know, I was fortunate to have my lieutenant there at the time uh, in my squad. So he called up on the radio. Um, you know, I trained with my corpsman who just basically started doing everything he needed to do immediately. Uh, put the tourniquets on. Uh, you know, Did you, sure. you had your legs still on you? No. So I instantly became a bilateral amputee. Um, so you just blew your legs off. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. So I, I sustained bilateral, like both my legs were gone. Um, and did you I, know, or you don't even know, do you know? I didn't know. Um, I tried to even get up after, and that's when I realized I'm like, oh, I can't get up. Um, so that was kind of the realization, like, this is bad. I didn't know how bad it was, uh, cause I couldn't move very well, but, um, yeah. It was it was pretty much instantaneous um, once it happened. And, and and the interpreter was standing next to you. What's that? The interpreter was standing next to you. No, he wasn't standing next to me. So essentially, when you hit one IED, it's very likely that there are several in the area because mm, mm. their goal is panic. Like once you step on one, you try and set up. You know, obviously, you're not going anywhere for a while. Um, so he actually, after I was injured and, you know, I was getting worked on by my corpsman, um, he grabbed my rifle, uh, and he went to go set it down against a wall. And unfortunately where he set the rifle down, there was another IED. Did you hear that one go off? Yeah. Holy shit. Oh my yeah. God. So, it was, so, it so was they, like, so they succeeded. They, that's what they want. They want chaos. Yeah. And, and, and uh, damn. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was very unfortunate, uh, at the time. Like I didn't, I didn't fully understand or comprehend what exactly was going on, but it was, uh, you know, especially like the interpreters, man, those, those guys want to bring the fight more than anyone else, even us, you know? Um, so they have an ax to grind. They're pissed. Their countries, sure. yeah, they're pissed yeah. at the Taliban, and and um, so how long does it take for the helicopter to come get you? I don't, I don't remember exactly how long. It'd probably be hours. No, not hours. They're pretty responsive, um, but I'd say less than half an hour. And, and, and what are your buddies telling you at the time? Are they talking to you? They're just trying to keep me awake. You know. Um, really try and just make sure I don't pass out because then you kind of open up to like possible brain injury. Um, you know, so it's just trying to keep me awake, keep me, um, calm as much as possible. And, and if the guy wouldn't have been there to put the tourniquet on you, you would have just bled out and died for sure within minutes. Yeah. Um, so 
Yeah. I mean, I'm really alive because of was that the first tourniquet? Was. was that the first tourniquet you think that guy's ever been put put on? Like a real one, not like on a dummy. For a real one, yeah. Yeah. Fuck, sure. he must have been so fucking nervous, that guy. It wasn't his first deployment. He's very good at his job. And as a squad leader, I kind of, I trained him very heavily on like. Pull that like, thing uh, tight, buddy. Yeah, pull it, pull it tight, do it quick. Um, and he, yeah, he knew exactly what he needed to do. Um, you know, despite the chaotic nature of it and like just watching your, it's your buddy, you know, it's someone, you know, um, and they're dependent on you and he did everything he needed to. And I'm still here because of it. So always thankful for that. Mike, did you ever, did you hear anyone, um, between you getting picked up and whenever you went unconscious say anything like, Hey, this guy's not going to make it or he might not make it. Did you hear any talk like that? No. Um, because I, I mean, clearly, if you see someone with their legs off, you got to assume that they're not going to make it. Yeah, I don't remember hearing anything like that. Um, I do remember waking up on a plane at a certain point uh, on my way back. Um, back, did, where I, do they take you? Like to Germany or something? Yeah. Uh, so they'll take mm -hmm. you to Germany. They do like the intensive, the quick surgeries to get you stable before they send you back stateside. So, um, but I remember waking up on the plane and um, yeah, it was, that was probably the moment I realized I'm like, okay, this, my life is completely changed. Um, Cause I just look around and I see other guys that are injured, um, you know, other people that didn't make it at the time. Cause that was, that was one of the, the ops where it was, like I said, it was, really rough so we lost people um while we were out there but um at this it's it's got to be pretty surreal you wake up in the plane is that when you realize your legs are gone i wouldn't even say then i realized how extensive my injuries were uh so i woke up real quick and then they put me in a medical induced coma because i was going into shock um so from then on i didn't remember anything until i woke up in the hospital in Germany. And are you all alone when you wake up? Any family or friends there? So I didn't have anyone in Germany, but they were waiting for me stateside once I got to Walter Reed, um, where I basically went through, I don't even know how many surgeries. I think I had over 40 surgeries. Yeah, I read 40. Yeah. Two, and, and you were in, did they, they did, how long did they keep you in coma for? How uh, medically induced coma? Not too long. Weeks or days? I'd say less than a... I want to say less than a week. And you spent two months in the hospital? Yeah, a little over two months. Hey, I, I don't remember where I read it, but this part was the part that really tripped me out. I never thought of this. You're 24 at the time, and you had... and I, I guess as human beings, we project out how we see our life is going to be, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden with your legs gone, your projection didn't make sense anymore. Right. And you went into a depression and it's weird because like, I don't, I think of myself as pretty mindful, but I was like, fuck, uh, I don't know if I do that. But did you know that you projected forward in time or did that become a harsh reality too? When you realized your legs, were, like everything was going to change. Like, did that introduce you to ways that the mind works that you didn't realize it worked? For sure. Yeah. I mean, you don't 
think about it until you realize like you know you could project forward and kind of plan have all these plans for yourself and where you see your life going in the direction um you know that you want and coming to that realization like all all those ideas or goals or aspirations i had are no longer in the cards um or your whole life has to be reworked right yeah you're not gonna be a nascar driver world-class marathoner or right or i mean climbing ladders and working on roofs or yeah i mean you could be doing even some of those things but you don't see how it's possible okay okay you don't you don't think about you know how how do i function and do even just normal daily tasks without legs you know uh i had no exposure to that kind of heavy injuries on you know how to basically function on a normal basis like day to day so it was yeah that was i think what you read was um it was like the first time I took a picture uh, after my injuries was because my guys were still over in Afghanistan and there was like misinformation going around on how I was doing and stuff. Yeah. And um, basically it was like, that was my realization moment. Like, oh, like that was the first time I saw like a full body picture of myself. And I'm like, I do not look the same. Um, you know, so that was the first time I hopped out of the hospital bed and, uh, were you in amazing shape when that happened? I was in pretty good shape. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I was, cause you look pretty good there. You, I mean, it's pretty crazy to think that that dude's been in bed for two months. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I lost a lot of muscle mass. I think around there, I was probably around 110. Um, what are you now? You're more than 155. Wow, one fifty yeah. with no legs. That's with crazy. no legs. Yeah. So you're you're this kind of the same size man I am, but I have legs. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty big guy uh, for not having legs. So how how tall were you? Uh, six foot. And and how much did you? What's the most you ever weighed in your life? Uh, uh pre injury probably somewhere close to two hundred pounds. Yeah, you but you look bigger than a six foot guy. Right. Like you're a big yeah. guy. You were a big guy. Yeah. You, I mean, you look like a fucking giant in those shots next to Colt when you're in your wheelchair. You look like a fucking monster. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's definitely training has been paying off for sure. And um, in, in some of the footage, I see that you have uh, prosthetic legs. Do you not use those anymore? So I, I have them. I need to get refitted for them um, in order to use them more on like a daily basis yeah so that was when's the last time you put those on it's been a minute so i don't fit in them currently like if i put them on and try to take a few steps they'd probably fall off Uh, you don't want them you don't want them no i i do want them i just need to go see my prosthetist and get refitted for them no you're Um, you're what your prosthetist (laughs) Prosthetist, <laughs> honey, I swear it's a prosthetist. <laughs> no, yeah, prosthetist. Honey, listen, listen. I'm, I'm not good at spelling. Now. Stop reading my text. I'm just bad yeah. at spelling. Yeah, um, that would be a dangerous. Well, why isn't that us. urgent for you to do? I don't get it. Like, if I lost my glasses, I'd be like, "Fuck." Yeah, but but you lost your legs, and you're like, "Yeah, I'll get around to it." It's um, it's painful to walk. 
Oh. And it's much easier to get around in a chair. Where's uh, it painful? So, like just cutting into your like where it attaches? Yeah. So basically, what you do is you sit in a socket with your residual limb, and mine is a severed femur, so it's just constant impact uh, as you're taking each step. Oh, on the bone there. Yeah. Hey, so you do have uh, some of your legs left. Yes. Oh, how stoked are you? Fuck. So as as very fortunate um so because if you have even too high amputation it's really hard to use prosthetics um even more so so i and your balance i have to assume your balance and everything is so much better than if you didn't and just your ability to do certain things yeah absolutely um so i i still have the majority of my femur uh my amputations are like right above the knee um, so I still have like even some muscle and some ligaments to where I can, you know, swing through on the prosthetics. Um, so very fortunate in that respect, um, to be able to do that. I don't have my knees, so I do need mechanical knees with my prosthetics. Um, but yeah. Hey, um, do you, are you, um, I don't know how to ask this. If it's, are you, are you? Do you accept your new body or are you comfortable in your new body or is it still you wake up every morning and you're like, like I got a new car once and like every morning I woke up for like three years, I couldn't believe I had a car, a new car. Or like I got a new refrigerator yeah. a couple of days ago, I can't even fucking believe it. Like I walked by it and I can't, but if my whole body changed, I don't know if I, in 10 years it would be enough time for me to be like. Yeah, I think. Is it still I'm weird? Finally, like you're like, what? Yeah, no, I've, I've come to terms with it now. Yeah. Um, but it took a long time. It took several years. I mean, is there a moment? Still... Is there a moment or no? Just one day you realize, oh shit, I've come to terms with it. I think it's just a progressive thing over time, and you face it several times. <clears throat> so, like early on in my injury, I mean, it was it was hard. Um, you know, you go, you try and get your mind off of it. You go to the movie theater. You watch a. I remember as a time I went to go see a movie with my family um, and you know, you're, you're invested in a movie you're watching for like two hours credits roll. And what do you do? You get up and you leave the movie theater. Well, I was still trying to get up and I'm like, Oh yeah. You forgot, you forgot in that two hours, you kind of just right. lost yourself. Wow. Crazy. You're, you're so invested in like the movie and everything. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, you know, and I'm like, Oh wait, I can't do that anymore. So it's like moments like that. You realize you're like, it hits you hard, you know? Um, so initially the first few years were pretty difficult. You know, you can't get out of bed how you normally got out of bed. Um, so it was a long time coming to terms with it. And then just over time, you just learn to adapt. You, you, what do you, what do you do? Um, are, do they, um, what do you do when you get out of the Marine? So you lose your legs and then you are you immediately out of the Marines or like, okay, you're done. Here, uh, bye. So not initially. Um, so you go through PT, um, uh -huh. they make sure you're able to. Function. Could you have signed up for another four years? Could you be like, nah, I'm staying. Yeah. Right. Uh, you can, uh, you can. so they will not kick you out, uh, based on combat injury. Um, you know, obviously, like, depending on your injuries or how severe they are, it limits 
essentially what you can do sure within the military um but i know guys who but you could same... still train dudes or do a desk job or exactly. you could still like uh i mean clearly you could be a, a coach or, or i don't know boot camp guy or whatever those guys right are. yeah yeah i know i mean or, I, or you I could lead that... or you could lead you could be a general i mean fuck. true right? yeah I know. I know. I want a general who lost his legs. Then it's like someone who fucking knows, like, hey, this shit's right. like crazy. Yeah. yeah. The, there are guys who have the same level of injuries with me that are still active duty and out there. And so, uh, kudos to them. I wanted to be a, you know, go out there and, um, you know, be in the infantry and stuff. So I was like, I, I knew that wasn't an option for me uh, anymore. So I just decided I would be better off getting out of the military. Um, but I'd want to stay, this is going to make me sound like a pussy, but maybe cause I am, but I'd want to stay just to, um, for, for security. Okay. I'm not going to get deployed again. I'm going to get a paycheck. I know, I know, like, I don't want any more change. I don't want to go out to that. I already lost my legs. I don't want to go to the outside world. That's too much. That's even more change. Right. Like was part of you. Like, I'll just stay. It's kind of like staying in the military would be like staying in the womb a little longer. I thought about it. Yeah. I mean, essentially it's very like you would be well taken care of. Um, if you stayed in the military, yeah, your job wouldn't be as dangerous, whatever you're doing. Um, and they, they take good care of you. Um, but yeah, I mean, and that's a decision a lot of guys had to face back then was like, what direction do I take my life now? Like if I get out, I have no idea what I'm going to do, uh, or where I'm going to go. Um, so, but I knew that had to happen eventually. You can't stay in the military forever. At some point, they're going to boot you, no matter how good you are. Um, so I just kind of decided, I was like, I need to figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Okay, so 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 how long after your injury do you get out? Um, let's see, I got injured in May of 2012. I got out in January 2014. So, so two years. Yeah, it's two like years of basically year rehab. Yeah. Did they ever put you in another job, or no? It was just all healing. A year and a half of just healing. So when you get combat injured, you get sent to Wounded Warrior Battalion, um, and your your job essentially is just to get better. Um, You're in a battalion with just all injured dudes. Is it just everywhere yeah. you look? Are there dudes with pieces missing? Yeah, I say battalion, so it sounds like this massive thing where I was yeah. located. It was small yeah. because it was in San Antonio, so. You have Wounded Warrior Battalion West and East for the Marine Corps, um, which are huge battalions at the time uh, for combat injured. And then San Antonio was very small, um, but I mean, it was still like 30, 40 um, dudes that were, you know, sustained combat injuries. Someone should uh, do a sitcom about that place and like, like some part in the show you cry and some part in the show you laugh. Yeah. What a crazy scene, dude. Oh, uh, for sure. Yeah. Did you make any friends there you're still friends with? Yeah, uh, I still know, like, a few of them that are local. Um, but a lot of them, you know, I'm, I met a lot of people in my time there that were even not in the Marine Corps. Um, but I, I still keep tabs on a lot of Marines that I know that are that are there. And um, Did you meet anyone who just had the exact same shit going on you did? Yep, step, they looked at you, you looked at him, and you're like, oh, fuck, you stepped on IEDs. Like, uh -huh. you're like, yeah, me too. Yeah, it was pretty. It was a pretty common injury to s sustain uh, back then. So there was a lot of uh, amputees over there, for sure. Wild. You, you yeah. know, um, um, 
motorcycles accidents used to be the leading uh like business for prosthetics and you know what it is now what's that type 2 diabetes, diabetes. yeah yeah do you ever do you ever think about that you're like motherfucker like like you see people with leg like i mean you must see it all the time in texas but people with legs and you're like dude you need to be taking care better care of your body i would do anything to have those fucking things and you're fucking you're, you're eating like an asshole and you're not like when's the last time you took those things out for a run like do you think that's yeah. like shit uh it's like when you see an old guy in a lamborghini you're like why do you get that yeah you know what i mean probably in the beginning um you know stuff like that would frustrate me but you know people are just kind of you know in their own lives and in their own environment and they can kind of get to the points where you know health you know the detriment to your health over time and you don't really think about stuff like that till you're like oh crap you need to cut your leg off because you have diabetes like and then the realization comes like like i made mistakes you know um crazy mistakes all through putting stuff in your mouth right but it's kind of like you don't think about it in the moment right or right right you now um so or you just can't stop right that's how crazy the addiction is exactly yeah for sure do you have anyone in your family who's who has had an amputation because of diabetes no no i haven't but yeah it's if you see it you should have a talk with them before yeah. it happens be like dude well, you're not i've, I've trained i've trained people who uh are amputees that are um you know from diabetes and stuff so you have yeah yeah so it's it's it was a hard realization for him but i mean it's like nobody thinks about having a disability at any point in their life, but you know, you can get a car accident and you're going to wake up. It's not going to be the same. Um, so yeah, it's coming to that realization. And it's crazy right now how healthy you are, right? I mean, you look amazing. You look like a perfect specimen of a man. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. You look, you look rock solid. Yeah. It was a, it was a lot of trial and error figuring out like, how do I, you know, I mean, fitness really kind of changed my life. It gave me a new perspective on like, okay, I, I can still do these things. Uh, but I didn't know what I was doing after I initially got injured. So I just rolled into like a Globo gym and I was like, I don't know how to use 90% of this equipment. What do I do? Uh, what year was that? So that was probably like 2016. You didn't so. work out from 2012 to 2016. So, I, I mean, I did like normal pte when you're in wounded warrior battalion they don't care they'll they'll make you do pt and stuff um so but it's very like limited type stuff mainly cardio they have equipment uh that's adapted while you're in the military um here in san antonio so i used a lot of that equipment like cable stuff but once you're out of the military it's like good luck you know um figure it out so kind of figuring out how I can um, essentially continue to try and progress and be better. Um, I had to figure out on my own. That's why I became a trainer. I was like, I, I want to help people figure this out, you know, um, that have possibly sustained any type of disability. So 2012 to 2016, you, know, you haven't stepped foot in a Globo gym and then you go to a Globo gym. Tell yeah. me about, like, who took you there? Why did you go there? I just went myself. Yeah, I just went myself and I was like, I, I want to like rolled up to a Planet Fitness and they're like a uh, $20 sign in fee. Yeah, 
And you're yeah, like, here you go. And then you're just like, what the fuck? Yeah. So it was a uh, realization. I'm like, okay, none, none of this stuff is tailored to me. How do I make it work? Um, and a lot of stuff I was like, okay, well, I'll start with free weights. That's easy. They're like, okay, how do I use these machines? Transferring to a machine or um, stuff like that. And Did you ever get fat? Were you fat at this time or no? I, I, I gained a good about uh, amount of weight. Um, and I think that was kind of like my turning point is like I took a picture with, oh, man. Were you I, with your girl at that time? So we were. Did you start working out because of her? No, I started oh. working out ahead of time. I I took a picture for, well, one, it was like this big event I went to um, and I met like President Bush or something. And I the had second, to wear the my second one, the second Bush. Yes. I had to wear my dress blues and I no longer fit in my dress blues. And I was very upset about that. And um, so I realized I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to basically get off my ass and um, try and be better. Uh, so that was kind of my like turning point. I'm like, okay, my, my health, like this is the body I, I have today. I need to try and treat it better. So um, and yeah, did you enjoy that first trip to the Globo Gym? Did you enjoy it? No, it was no. awful. Yeah, I just didn't know what I was doing. Um, you know, obviously, I'd spent a lot of time working out prior to that, but I was like, I don't know how to make this work. And um, and, and some of these things that I'm seeing, so th I recognize this movement, obviously, pull up. I recognize this movement, obviously, deadlift. But how about th there's one coming up here? I don't know if you can see it on your phone. So is this a burpee? Essentially, a burpee, burpee to target. Yeah. So, okay, burpee to target. And then what's this next move? This next thing might be something like, no, not the muscle up. There's one coming up that I'm like, oh, maybe I should have my sons do this. It's like a gymnastics move where you put your hand. Um, I recognize this. This is kind of a, this, what's this? So that's a, we just call that like a Florida box transfer, Florida bench. Um, so it's essentially like your box jump, right? So when you look at the uh, box the box jump what is the stimulus you you start at the ground you go to a higher higher location so how do you do that when you don't have legs you can't do a box jump so you you take yourself from a low point to a higher point is you know essentially what you're going for have your arms ever were your arms ever this big uh, before your accident no um so arms they're definitely cra got they're, they're crazy is your dad are those your dad's arms or your mom's arms <laughs> you know who you get that probably from? on my father's side for sure yeah. uh, the arms um but yeah it, it, they definitely were not that big uh prior but when you're in a chair and a lot of the movements you know are shoulder and arm intensive and um man you are a specimen thanks man look at you jesus hey um when I think of, I have a panic attack thinking of not having legs because like my go-to, I like to sweat every day and it's mm -hmm. so easy sweating, getting on the assault bike. I don't mean to rub it in your face, but it's, <laughs> you can just get on for 10 minutes and, and just mangle yourself. Yeah. Um, what do you do if you don't have legs? What's the fastest way to sweat? If you don't have legs, what's like your go-to like, fuck, I got to sweat. I mean, Using the assault bike is a pretty good way to do it. Um, oh, so you'll just sit on it. You just do the arms. So yeah, I can sit on it and I'll just do the arms. So yeah, try and next time you hop on an assault bike, kick your legs up on the pegs and miserable. Yeah, miserable. Yeah. So it uh, requires crazy focus. 
for sure to not, to not put my legs down crazy focus yeah okay so it's a it's a burner for sure so yeah i'll do some cardio or the ski i'll do uh the skier just seated just yanking that thing um but yeah so machines too so i uh same same in machines so the skier how do you do the skier you just you just roll into it so there's they actually you lock off wider. the seat you lock off the seat so it's so the seat doesn't roll around? Yeah, I'll, I'll lock my wheelchair. I'll pull into it. Skier makes some wider bases, so you can actually pull your wheelchair all the way up to it. Um, but yeah, so it's just reach up and pull down like you would on a ski. You just can't obviously bend your knees and use that momentum to help you out. But um, it, Do you have this equipment at home? Do you have a, um, a bike and a... Um, I don't. No. No. No, so I, I have no home gym. I always travel to my gym here in San Antonio, the tribe, um, get my workouts in. And I also train there as a coach. Don't you want one of those bikes at home or no? I would love to. Uh, but now that I have a daughter, she is accumulating so many toys and I just don't have the uh, the room. So she took my old workout room. Just so I had some old equipment. But And um, what are those handles on the other side? Are those some sort of adaptive handles? For sure, yeah. So those are made by Equip Products, who makes fully adaptive equipment for all, what we use essentially on most of the workouts uh, for adaptive CrossFit. Um, so those mount on the front of the bar, and you can actually roll up to the front of the bike and use those handles. Um, but basically, like, so so then you're sitting in your chair and you pull and push those handles. Right. Yeah. And that's how you'll see it in most competitions, because what I'm doing here, uh, a lot of people in my division aren't able to do because they, you know, I, I'm with hip function uh, athletes, so I can move my legs and people in my division also have some functionality of their legs. Yeah. Um, but getting up to the seat and sitting on it is not possible for the majority of people who compete within my division. So you will always see seated athletes on the front of a, uh, echo bike using those, those grips. Um, when you, when you, um, when your wife sees that article, um, you guys just start talking on the phone. Yeah. So, I mean, we exchanged a few messages and then, yeah, we just kind of started talking and, um, you know, we were there for each other in some really hard times for sure. And, and, and how long had it been since, um, she had lost, uh, her friend, um, reading your article it hadn't been too long i don't think yeah okay so right around the same time yeah it was, it was pretty soon after yeah and um when the first when the first time you guys see each other how do you guys coordinate that so i mean we were we were talking for oh probably well over a year before we actually met in person um so it's kind of just just back and forth we talk like every day um so it was just over time we realized like hey we need to meet you know um so at that before you met did you guys both know that you liked each other you're like you you do say yeah. you're, you're like hey i'm attracted to you like yeah it didn't it didn't happen uh right away but it it just well i mean the attraction she's beautiful right um, but just the realization i'm like oh like there's something here you know um so it definitely did you have a girlfriend at the time of your injury, Mike? I did at the time, yeah. You did? Yeah. And, and, and then you guys separated? 
Yeah, it was a it was a very hard time in my life. Uh, yeah, I bet I was I was not an easy person to be around. Um, so it was. Yeah, it was it was definitely a, a time in my life where I was coming to terms with, you know, everything um, and who I was and what I my goals, aspirations like we talked about. And um, yeah, it was a it was a hard time. Did you ever think about ending your life? No, no. Um, that was kind of. Does your I mom ask you that, by the way? Does your mom be like, "Hey, hey, dickhead, if you ever think about ending your life, don't"? I'm like, I, I can't do. That. You have to like stick it out for me. Did anyone ever say that to you? For sure, there was concern. Yeah. Um, you know, I I got out of the military and I lived on my own for several years. So it was just kind of. I don't of, know how you did that. I'd have either, I'd have either stayed in the military or gone back to my mom. For sure. Yeah. I mean, for sure. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, she was there with me in the beginning um, because I was so I was unable to do even like normal tasks on my own, even after I got discharged from the hospital. Like I couldn't push up. A, I couldn't push up my driveway um, or anything. So I lost essentially like all the strength or independence I had and had to kind of rebuild that. So you couldn't even do one pull. You couldn't even do one pull up. Could you even hang no. from a? Could you hang from a bar? No. Damn. So I, I, I actually still have like a massive scar right here. You can't see it too well, but I lost like a good portion of my forearm as well. Um, so even just like pushing around in a chair was difficult. I had an electric chair when I first got injured because I wasn't able to push myself or use a manual chair. Um, so recovery was long. Um, and very difficult to kind of even just get around. And you were you pissed? And when you say you were hard to be around, you were just pit, you were pissed. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, sure. I was upset. Uh, I was like, man, like my life is so messed up now. Like, where do I go from here? Um, and just coming to terms with everything and then coming to terms with everything we had to do over there too. So it was, when you're deployed, you don't think about a lot of that stuff and you don't work through, you know, everything you just went through. And I'm working through what I did, we had to do on deployment and the things we faced and then also like not having legs. Um, so it was a very hard shift in my life of, you know, how do I, how do I move forward? And I didn't feel like I could. Yeah. Due to have great, military careers will get out and be like think for a second that they're incapable of doing anything like right because they don't think it's the the skills are transferable so not only do you have all these skills that you don't know that you have but you came out with like like you said without your legs and so your whole shit's upside down and and it, and i mean basically the, the part we haven't talked about that you're alluding to now is that and all your muscles had atrophied and you were incapable of even the most basic tasks yeah like not getting up your driveway is fucking feeble as fuck. I mean, that's yeah. like, that's decrepitude. That's like, Hey, uh, when you see like your mom or your dad that struggled to get up the driveway, you're like, they have a week to live. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, that's right. like fucked up. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. It was Crazy. definitely like, a. am like, 
you know, just come to that realization of like, there's, there's nowhere, like, I can't do anything on my own. Um, you know, and I, at the time you don't see how you move forward from that. So it was, it was a, like I said, it was hard to be around me at the time because I was just miserable. Um, but, you know, over time I realized, you know, I was, I was fortunate enough to be exposed to like certain people who had been through the same stuff I had been through and that helped me kind of see like, okay, there's, there's ways to move forward. This is You did. So, so uh, other dudes who were like 10 years ahead of you in the journey without their legs would like, be like, Hey Mike, I'm Sergeant so-and-so I was yeah. in this. Oh, so I, I had a lot of people visit me in the hospital. Some of them like important politicians or in it, uh, all this other crap of just like random people, like a revolving door wanting. Oh, your governor doesn't have legs. Yeah. He's, um, a, he's a bad dude. He's a yeah, fun, yeah he's a bad him. dude. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we had, we had like a revolving door of people coming through, but the one I remember the most was, Oh, I think I lost you. You still there?
Hold on. Hey, it sounds like, uh, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Sounds like Sevon's uh, internet went down. But let me see. How about that? Maybe. No. Hmm. Oh, they can hear both of us. Okay. Well, I can't. For whatever reason, I can't hear you. But it sounds like Sevon's internet went down. So he'll probably come back and a few um sorry i have to huh well mike's audio is down okay how's it going everybody uh, i'm at work if you can tell this is my guard duty weekend um can't hear mike did you change your audio at all, Mike, or did you just? All right. No, nothing. Hmm, that's weird. Let me see if I can fix your audio here. Edit mic settings. Cancellation. Oh, I hear something now. There you go. There you go. Hey. Cool. All right. Hey, Mike. My name's Caleb. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too, man. Sorry. Uh, couldn't be here for the rest of the show. It sounds like it was pretty good. Yeah, it's it going well. Uh, I don't know what happened to Savon. It sounds like his internet went down. Uh, oh as, no! You know, in uh, in California, they they don't really uh, they don't give you internet. They only give you so much internet. You know, it's like a they, it's like minutes on your phone. Oh, they limit so, you, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. That yeah. sounds about right. <laughs> hey, hey, how's it going? It's going great, man. So Savon's internet is kaput. He's done. Oh wow! Yeah, he That's just called wild. me and said to do the same, and I like scrambled in here and oh no, it's not even working. But uh, yeah, so <laughs> we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to get back with you. I don't know why. I'm yeah, no, that's fine. Working. That'd be cool. Um, so yeah, I, just so you know, I, I'm just so you know, I'm the one that came up with the title. I just figured it'd be. Uh, it was a good good jab at Colton, you know. Yeah, I, I posted I posted it to my story. I was like, uh, "Sorry, Colton, I promise I didn't choose the title." Uh, <laughs> that was good. I liked it. Oh, good. All right, cool. Yeah. Well, I got to get back to work. So, Susa, are you good to go? Yeah, I'll I'll uh, land the plane here. Thanks, Caleb. You look okay. good in All your right. uniform. Look at you. Thanks, man. Yeah. Look at you. Dang boy. Not, not as good as not as good as Mike, but you know, I try I try hey. to do a little bit of justice, you know. <laughs> Look at Colton over here. Oh, <laughs> yeah, there. oh man. Shit. Sorry, Colton. I, I had to do it. I mean, honestly, it was it was too easy. Too easy. Yeah, it's funny. All right. Well, it's nice to meet you, Mike. We'll see you later. You too, man. All right. Sounds good. Later, Kip. Thank you. All right, Mike. So, uh, yeah, someone gave me a call and I saw the text coming through and he's like, my internet's down. And then he called me. And he's like, fuck, you have to jump on there. And let him know. Yeah, so, no, you're good. Uh, and then uh, I had a buddy call me. He's like, yeah, you're just by yourself and they're still live. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I, <had no laughs> I, idea. Uh, I, I thought it went down. 
I don't know if you saw the text I sent you, but as soon as I pulled it up on my phone coming back, I was like, oh shit, he's still alive. I was like, don't do anything crazy. Don't do anything. <laughs> gotcha. No, no, I had a, I had it on do not disturb. So I didn't know anyone was even still watching. Uh, Smart. Yeah, good. Yeah. I just was hoping that you didn't, you know, we didn't have any total disaster here with you. You just start picking no. your nose or something crazy. I'm like, yeah, oh, shit. no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks oh, so much man. for your time, brother. We really appreciate it. Like I said, we'll um I'll reach back out as soon as I talk with Seb and we figure out oh. what's uh what's exactly going down and then um we'll get you we'll get you reset up here and kind of finish this off off properly. Okay. Yeah, just let me know. Right on. Sure will. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks. Have a good one, man. Later, brother. See ya. All right, guys. Interesting. You never know what's gonna happen. You're always long for the ride. This is the way we do it. It's live. It's just straight up. It is what it is. Internet goes, goes down. Kayla was able to jump in and help out. And I like scrambled in and then, uh, yeah, land the plane. But um, thanks for, uh, thanks for, Andres, you didn't, Andres, shit, I missed the live again. Kinda. <laughs> the first hour was good. Uh, Eric Wise news with Sousa. I don't have any, I don't have any uh, news right now, but I am planning on doing something um, next week. I think I'm finally going to get it together and, uh, do what Sevon's been kind of pushing me to, um, do for a while, which is a weekly show. So I'm thinking it's going to be on Tuesday at 11 AM is going to be the, um, is going to be the, the, the plan right now. Uh, good job, Susan and Caleb, um, Marissa, Susan for the rescue. Actually, Caleb, I think was really to the rescue. <laughs> he just jumped in and like kept it going on the phone at work. What a savage. What a savage. Okay, guys. So I think we're going to be back um, possibly Dave's week in review later on this afternoon. Have you guys been seeing that new news uh, segment that Sevon's been doing? It's been awesome. I mean, the, the numbers on it are fucking crazy, but I really like that, uh, that flow and what he's been, what he's been doing. Um, it's been great. Fuck, my computer's all out of whack. I'm like, it's a mess in here too. Still the chair left over from the live we did last night. Okay, so we'll be back later today, I think, with a week in review. Um, tomorrow we have Greg Glassman coming up. On the 15th, we have Chris Cooper. So we got an uh, awesome week going down still. So we'll see you guys later today. Adios. Have a great day. Bye-bye.